Praise the Lord. We all need that uh, special injection. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for what you've done this morning. We give you praise and honor. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are always patient with us, Lord. Father, we thank you for this great blessing that you have given to this family and this church. We celebrate this morning because of your great faithfulness in our lives. It's a testimony to each one of us, God, expecting from you, Lord, that you will never leave us to be discouraged. You will always lift us from our point of discouragement and make us celebrate, O oh God. Thank you for the joy that you're bringing to this family. Thank you for the joy you're giving the mother because of this son. Thank you for the joy that you're giving the father because of this son. Lord, you are good. You are always good to us, oh my father. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Shall we just celebrate? Thank you. Praise the Lord. I like the fact that uh, Brother Kingsley says he went in the hospital and the prescription he got was different. He expected recommendations, different recommendations, but he was told you have a baby, which he did not expect. <laughs> I like this kind of treatment from God. Such surprises are great. Praise the Lord. It's good. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. The God I serve answers prayer. Only Jesus answers prayer. You know, the choir, don't, don't put me in a position where... You teach me. I've always confessed before everybody that this is not my calling. So when I start a song, you pick it up and cover oh, me. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. The God I serve answers prayer. Hallelujah. Only Jesus answers prayer. He answers prayers. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he answers prayer. Oh, the God I serve answers prayer. Oh, yes, only Jesus answers prayer. The Lord will answer our prayers this morning. May we sit down. Many are expecting from God various things. Many have been waiting from God various things. But the Lord is always faithful. His plans are beyond our imagination, beyond our understanding. When He chooses to perform, He will do it in His own time. So we just want this morning to meditate over uh, a subject that I will in a short while give you. I want us to turn to John 15. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in the vine. Now, the Bible has repeatedly used the word remain, 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 remain. And so the subject this morning I would like us to share is remaining steadfast in our faith. Remain steadfast in the faith. Remain steadfast in the faith. Now, when I was looking at this vine, just trying to think about the vine, I realized there's something that we have always run to whenever we see any form of tree that bears fruit. Our first instinct is to go for the fruit itself. We never think about the tree as a whole. But I came to realize that, you know, trees vary. There are some trees we don't usually plant next to the house, at least in my place, because when the storms blow, those, the branches of those trees usually break off. So there are some types of trees we only plant very far. I think one that all of us will identify with is the jacaranda tree. You know it? The one with the purple leaves. It grows only in my village. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or I've used the scientific name. Have I used the biological name? They're usually strange. Jacaranda tree usually has some purple flowers. And some of the branches, if you study them very well, some of the branches just branch off from the stem in a very funny way. So whenever there's wind blowing around, in most cases you'll find a strong wind, those branches will break off so easily. Now, if you compare it with a vine tree, it's different because this one grows as if it doesn't want to interfere with any other tree. It grows as branches try to curve towards the stem. Now, one thing I've come to realize is that if you study the jacaranda tree very well, the roots tend to spread and not go directly the ground. And that's why whenever there is a storm, you just find it looking very funny in the, in the ground. Eh? The feet are <laughs> up there and the hands are on the ground. That's how the tree usually looks like. It falls very quickly. But this morning, I wanted to zero in on what the Bible has talked about, about the branch abiding the tree. We know that Christ has already said it's divine. That means it's firmly rooted. We have got a sure stem upon which we can append ourselves as branches. And if we are the right branches, it's very difficult for us to be blown off because it's the vine tree. It has got a special 
special characteristic. The branches are well held onto the tree itself. So it is steadfastly being held. The branches are steadfastly being held onto the stem. That is why I want us to meditate over that because it is important for us to understand. The Bible says if we are branches that are holding onto the vine, then there is a possibility of us bearing fruit. There is fruitfulness that can emanate from us. And if we don't bear fruit, it means we are not rightly linked to that vine tree. And I'm going to use this word steadfastly, deliberately, whether it doesn't fit well. Uh, one of our pastors usually says that uh, this is the new vocabulary in the bread of life. So please, if you don't understand some of the vocabulary quietly, don't embarrass yourself. Go to one of the leaders and say, what did this brother mean when he said this? you will have a better understanding. There are some things that I may say that may not make sense. So I want us to look at the branch being held on the stem of the tree and we being Christians looking at ourselves as Christians being held onto Christ. And we begin to realize that our life can become fruitful for as long as we are held onto this vine. That we have always shared. The reason why I'm using this as a background is because I'm going to share on, two, on four areas that I want us to be steadfast in our faith. And it only makes sense or we only realize the success of those areas in our lives if we are steadfast in our faith. Can we say steadfast? steadfast. Remaining steadfast. We can only be fruitful in those areas or realize God's favor in our lives for as long as we remain steadfast in Him. I'm going to use several characters in the Bible just to take us through those areas. The first area is being steadfast in leadership. Being steadfast in leadership. Now, this is not a seminar for leadership. It's just sharing the Word of God and seeing how God has used various servants in the Bible in leadership positions. And these people, they have been successful basically because of their way, the way they have remained steadfast in their faith. Not because of their skill, but because of their being steadfast in the Word of God. The first one is Moses. I want us to go to the book of Genesis chapter 7. It's a very large portion, so we are going to pick out just a few verses. Now, starting from chapter 7, we begin to realize that something is happening. Verse 14. Let's start from, sorry, Exodus. Sorry, not Genesis, but Exodus. <laughs> Exodus chapter 7, verse 14. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile, and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. And indeed, it was changed into blood when he struck the water. Praise the Lord. Now, a background to Moses is that this is, this is a man who tried to handle things in his own wisdom, and it turned out to be very, very negative and tragic. But somehow God had to banish him into a, a, a compulsory training that brought the true character out of Moses. And now he has reached this point where he's able to believe God. At the time he was being commissioned, he didn't want to believe that what God was assigning him was possible because he looked at himself and saw the failures in his life, saw the shortcomings in his life, and tried to describe them in a very elaborate way to God. But it did not work with God, because God had purposed that this is the person that he was going to use in that position of delivering the children of Israel. And so God had taken him through that tough moment of training for the reason that the situations that he was going to face were also going to be challenging. The, here comes the first time that God is bringing him to a point where he has got to interact with the king, the pharaoh, and try to convince him to release the children of Israel. So we realize that God begins to reveal to him in a dif himself in a different way by performing various miracles. The first one was turning the water. I mean, the first one was the snake, the staff changing into a snake. Then now he brings him to this point where he confronts the Pharaoh and the water is being turned to blood. Down in 8, chapter 8, verse 6, we see frogs being brought in. Then further down, as you read, we'll be moving fast because of the time. Further down, you will see that God introduces the gnats. Is it gnats or what? I think that's the way to pronounce so that... It, it doesn't confuse you with the ones we eat, the gnats or the lice. Praise the Lord. And then flies come in, livestock, hailstone, locust, darkness. Now, the reason why I'm just going through this is just for us to come to a point to understand that God is doing something in the life of Moses. And it's not because of anything special about Moses except the fact that Moses had learned to remain positioned, aligned himself with God. For that reason, God was manifesting himself in the life of Moses. If Moses had tried to go the way he had initially started, many of these things would not have happened. And this calls to our attention as children of God. Paul lamented to the Galatians, all oh, foolish Galatians, because they started in the spirit, but now they were turning back into the flesh. 
Thank God, Moses started in the flesh and he ended up in the spirit. Praise the Lord. He learned the hard way that the flesh has got limitations. The flesh can end up limiting you. But when you end up in the spirit, you become attached firmly onto the vine who is Christ Jesus. God begins to ooze the sap that grows the fruit on you through that branch. Praise the Lord. You know, we don't see the nutrients moving through the trunk into the branch, but somehow there is that quiet connection between that branch and the stem. And somehow, when the season for bearing fruit comes, the branch does not go to negotiate with the stem. Instead, it responds to the season of the time. Because the nutrients are naturally flowing through the stem into the branch, and the branch responds accordingly, recognizing that the season for bearing fruit has arrived. Praise the Lord. That comes by you having attached yourself to God in a way that you are able to respond to God communicating with you. This man had now learned through experience how to listen to God. The first time, he just saw the bush and he approached. He listened. And he began to argue with God. And then God began to demonstrate to him that indeed his God is in charge of all circumstances. And at the end of the day, the man now understood, it doesn't matter whether I'm a stammerer, it doesn't matter the shortcomings I have in my life, when God decides that now he wants to use me, he will do whatever he has decided to do in my life. Praise the Lord. So when he placed him in the position of leadership, Moses did not look at his own ability. Remember, he had already enumerated the weaknesses in his life to God. But at that time, he was able to lead because he had the assurance. He had the assurance from above that I will be with you. Praise the Lord. He had that confidence that the God he had related to was faithful enough to execute that purpose that he had purpose to do through Moses' life. Now, we quickly go to 9-11. Some things begin to happen that are of interest. So they took, this is when the plagues and boils are coming upon the people of Israel. So they took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air and festering boils broke out on people and animals. Verse 11, and I want you to hear this church. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the bowls that were on them and on all the Egyptians. Those of you who have gone through this story, you have known that those magicians wanted to counter everything that Moses was doing. They wanted to prove that they were also able. Now it has reached a time, God is engaging a different gear in the life of Moses to prove who is in charge. He has now performed something and these people now recognize this is of a higher degree that we can ever compete with. Praise the Lord. I pray this morning, those of us who have been struggling in our lives will begin to realize God is about to do something new in our lives that will usher us to a new level where the devil cannot do us any harm. There's a song, where the devil can do me no harm. I, sorry, I don't want to be like Brother Jignesh. But, <laughs> praise the Lord. But I know there's a chorus where 
we were singing some time back that he will lift me to a place where the devil can do me no harm. A place where when the devil jumps up, he cannot reach me. A place where the devil can throw his darts in my life and he cannot reach me. That's where my life begins to turn around like my brother. Praise the Lord. Now, that's the turning point in the life of Moses because God begins to do things that are beyond the enemy. The enemy cannot counter. He can only observe. In, verse 10, in chapter 10, verse 7, Chapter 10, verse 7, the Bible says, Pharaoh's officials said to him, How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go, so that they may worship the Lord their God. Now you see, it was difficult for Moses to convince these people in his leadership position that it was time for them to go. It was difficult for him to convince the Pharaoh. It was difficult for him to convince even himself. But God was bringing him Elevating him from one point to another. This time, there's confusion in the kingdom of the enemy. God causes confusion. Those people never dared to challenge Pharaoh before. But it has reached a time when God is performing his acts. And they have now come to Pharaoh and said, For how long will you hold on to this man? He has become a snare in, unto us. Let them go. That is rebellion that is brewing up in the kingdom of the enemy. I pray that it shall be so to those that wage war against you. God will bring you to a point where your life, your ministry will begin to turn the kingdom of the enemy to fight against itself and let you go to wherever God has decided that you need to go. Praise the Lord. Verse, chapter 10, verse 24, we begin to see a new negotiation taking place on the table. Moses is taking now charge, full charge. He was just in charge of the children of Israel, but now he is the negotiating table with the, with the Pharaoh, and just hear this. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. That's the enemy. That's the lie of the devil. Yes, you have won. This prayer you have been answered. This is enough. Don't go so far. You might embarrass yourself. Don't press any further. If you trust God for that thing, you know people will hear you professing, confessing it, and it will not happen, and it will be an embarrassment. He's negotiating with you. Why do you give him a chance? Why do you give him that audience? Listen to this, the man of God, what he said. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offering to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Listen to that one. I love that. Not a hoof. Wake up, church. Not a hoof will remain. He's not ready even to leave the foot of a goat behind. He's saying everything that belongs to them. Brethren, let us take charge of that which belongs to us. Leave no room for the enemy to negotiate with you concerning your salvation and your life. Just tell him what God has said. You are more than a conqueror. You are in Christ Jesus. You are above where Christ is seated in the heavenly places with him. No position for you to negotiate with the devil over your own life. Praise the Lord. We believe that God will see that all that he has 
channeled for your life will come your way. Full package without any, anything less. Praise the Lord. He says, not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God until we get there. We will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love the way this negotiation is going on. And you see it reaches a point where the enemy begins to become tough because he realizes he's losing it. So he refuses. But later on, we realize that it reached a point God decided to flex his muscle, decided to let go all his vengeance, and the devil could not stand. The enemy could not withhold the children of Israel. Praise the Lord. In short, Moses was experiencing these things just to embolden his stand, his trust in God. There were many other challenges to come later. But as a leader, God was using every stage to prepare him for the next. Praise the Lord. So the many things that he witnessed in Egypt, at that time he was waging war against the enemy. But when they crossed the Red Sea, the story changed. The enemy was within. Praise the Lord. Now the struggle was within the body of the children of Israel. Now I know in your own life, the biggest challenge is not something that attacks you from outside. It's the one that attacks you from within your own self. Praise the Lord. Now some people are quiet because they want us to believe that they, they don't struggle from within. Only 25% of the faces I see here come for Thursday intercessory meetings. The 75, you are still struggling. That is within you. It's a decision you have to make. We don't have a bell here. We can't ring a bell and call people for such. But you'll have to make that decision. It is those small things in our Christian life that we must begin to fight from on ourselves, by ourselves. But what gives us the confidence that we are going to overcome is the experience we have had with the easy battles, battling the wars, the enemies from outside. Praise the Lord. Moses would have been discouraged in his work with the children of Israel because of their stubbornness. But he had been brought to a point to understand how God works in the life of a child of God that he could not begin to question the God who told him, you are going to take these people to the land, the promised land. So when it came to Mara and they were complaining about water, Moses did not, could not be shaken because he knew God was going to do it. Initially it was at the brink of the Red Sea. They complained, but he still reassured them, the one who has brought us up to this point is well able to deliver us. Praise the Lord. And indeed, did God fail? He didn't fail because he's faithful. For those who remain steadfast in him, he will always show himself mighty. He will always present himself in those times when you are challenged. And he will always provide for a solution. Praise the Lord. 16 verse 1 to 35, manna is falling from heaven. Food they have never tasted. 
They have tasted the food of the Egyptians. They have tasted their own food. But here is God providing food for them. God will provide for food that you have never planned for. Praise the Lord. God will provide you with something special that you had never imagined in your life. Our brothers testified of it now. A surprise to him. He's walking to the hospital, imagining it's a different case. And God has got a special package. Maybe God realized that Kingsley was sleeping too much. And so he said, this man has not realized I've blessed him already. Praise the Lord. This family has not realized that I've already poured a blessing in, in their family. He said, let me spark them a bit. Let me, let me push them. Let them go to the hospital. And somebody who, who may not be even a Christian confirmed to them, you know your God has blessed you. Praise the Lord. I pray that you are going to experience such miraculous things in your life. I want to experience it. Things that I did not know. Things that I did not experience, I expect. But God, because of his grace and his mercy upon my life, opening doors that I did not know, so that my life may be blessed. Praise the Lord. He is a provider indeed. Another character that we see, Joshua takes over from Moses, and this is the statement that he says in, in uh, 24, chapter 24, verse 15. As for me, the second part, as for me and my household, we shall serve God. Praise the Lord. For a man of God to come to that point where he's now deciding, he's telling you, decide what you want. But as for me and my family, I have decided I will serve God. There is an experience he has gone through that you cannot shake him from. Praise the Lord. He has undergone an experience with the Lord that he is so confident that no matter what comes his way, he is holding on to this God. You can decide what you want to do on your, by yourself, but as for me and my family, I have decided I will serve the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, just see, Joshua was a witness to the crossing at the Red Sea. Praise the Lord. Chapter 13 to 14. And 15, 22, chapter 15, 22, when the water was being provided for, Joshua was a witness. He saw it. Praise the Lord. So every time he was witnessing these things, he was being, I mean, he was farming up his faith, becoming even more stronger and stronger. And that is why God is doing some things in your lives. It is up to you to begin to understand what he's doing, what he's building in you. Praise the Lord. God does not bless you so that you continue celebrating over that blessing eternally. He's blessing you to ready you for the next bigger miracle. But depending on what you learn from that experience, then you will be ready or not ready for the next experience. Praise the Lord. And so when God was making Joshua to be an understudy to Moses, he wanted him to see those things happen so that when it comes to his turn as a leader, he will be firmly established with a full experience to know what he ought to do when the demand calls for it. Praise the Lord. The crossing of Jordan, God enabled Moses, uh, Joshua to experience it himself because he wanted, him to he wanted to prove to him, I am still the same God who was there with Moses. I am here with you. Praise the Lord. But something happened that interests me. When all these things are happening, the tribes around, the enemies in his path, something was happening. Joshua had not talked to the Amorites 
Hedi, they only heard what God was doing in the life of the Israelites. And what happened? Fear struck them. The fear in your enemies will be so much, they will not stand. Praise the Lord. I'm not saying that you're going to shout at them until they're scared of you. No. But because you trust in God and you have believed him, you have worked with him faithfully, you have remained steadfast in his word, God will inflict fear upon your enemies. They that plan malice upon you will just scatter by themselves. Praise the Lord. Because he will be fighting on your behalf. That's one benefit of being steadfast with the Lord. Wherever you are, he takes charge of everything in your life. Wherever, whatever you encounter in your life, God steps ahead of you and says, my son, step back. This, I am in charge of this situation myself. Remember Gideon, when those people had encamped down in the valley, and Gideon was so busy trying to assemble an army, trying to put up a mighty army, God was just looking at him and wondering, what is troubling this man? It reached a time, he said, okay, remove some of this, remove some of this. I'm sure Gideon was thinking, now 300? Okay, because it is God, I will do it. But he went ahead. Did he fight in the end? Did Gideon fight? First of all, fear. We hear of dreams. And we hear of people interpreting dreams. Now, God made people who did not believe in him to see dreams and interpret them themselves. One said, I have seen a loaf of bread rolling. When a loaf of bread rolls, what do you do? You open your mouth. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It is a simple thing. If bread comes, you, or you pour water on it, and then it disintegrates. But the man told the other, I've seen a loaf of bread roll from the hill. It has destroyed the camp. The other one said, eh, this bread of life, uh, sorry, not bread of life. <laughs> this loaf of bread is not the normal bread. It must be the uh, Gideon. Praise the Lord. What made this man connect it with Gideon? Because deep within them, they thought this was a weak man. And they knew him as a weak man. He had also confessed himself that he was from the weakest of the clans. Praise the Lord. But when it came to this, the purpose of God, God said, I'll use you, weak man, to destroy the enemy. Praise the Lord. I want you to learn to be close to God. Remain steadfast in your faith. And remain firmly rooted in the Lord. You will see his salvation in times that you don't expect. You will see God intervene in situations that were so overwhelming in your life. Praise the Lord. God will cause such as walk steadfastly before him to have experienced supernatural experiences and victories. In Joshua 6, 1, we see a world crumble because people are just praising the law. That's why, I, let me not say this, but the worship team, I remember that day. I remember the day we were worshiping here and people refused to go home. One of these days we will have it again. Amen. Let us learn to know that once, once we are people who are aligned to the purpose of God, even the praises we sing is a weapon in the hands of God. They destroy the enemy. They render him confused completely. Praise the Lord. 
steadfast in exercising faith. I want us to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 20. I know this is a, a, a passage that we are conversant with Elijah on Mount Carmel. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on, the Mount, on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one the Lord I am the only one of the Lord's prophet left but Baal has 450 prophets get two bulls for us let Baal's prophets choose one of one of themselves one for themselves and let them cut into pieces and put it on the wood but not set fire to it I will prepare the the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire on it now the challenge was the challenge was the one that he, whose God was going to perform, to light up the, 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 the sacrifice, to burn it, to consume it. It was a simple one, but very challenging. Praise the Lord. Now, the beauty of it is this. This Elijah, if you start from chapter 17, chapter 17, verse 5, something is said there that is very of interest. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. The first statement is of interest to me. He did what the Lord told him. So it means this is a person who was communing with God. And he was obedient to the voice of God. He was relating to God so closely that he did not want to go away from what God had said. If you go to verse 8 again. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Which, of course, Elijah again obeyed. He went. Now, we can see consistency in the life of Elijah, obedience to the word of God, being held closely to the word of God, attaching himself to the word of God in his life. As a result, we come in chapter 18, we see him have the confidence of challenging the enemy. And he has put them before people. We know the result of that, that challenge, that there was fire. But one good thing that I like about Elijah is the way he taunted these people. The confidence in him proved that he was so confident about his God. Because if you don't know whether yours is going to light, you will not be laughing at this other prophet. Maybe you will be praying at that time. But the confidence that Elijah had at that point made him so bold. He would taunt these people and say, maybe your God has gone to sleep. Maybe your God is doing ABCD. Because he was so confident about his God. But that is generated from the relationship he had had with God over time. He had learned to work closely with God. He had learned to align himself with God. He steadfastly followed the laws of the Lord. Praise the Lord. He was well able to stand before the enemy and declare to him, now let us go for this challenge. And what happened in the end 
is that we know the 450 strong army lost. Praise the Lord. They were all murdered. Praise the Lord. God honors the faith of those who have remained steadfast in Him. God honors the faith of those who have remained steadfast in Him. Confidence in the Word of God comes because of the vast experience of God's faithfulness in your life. The more you expose yourself to working with God, to relating with Him closely, the more confidence you grow in His Word. The more confident you grow in His Word, and the more bold you become in exercising authority over the enemy, the more bold you are to declare to situations that are not as though they are. Praise the Lord. That is what God wants out of us. Praise the Lord. On the same thing, we can talk about Paul. Now, Paul's faith is different because Paul's faith is actually not necessarily geared towards miracle working, but towards the growth, his life, his Christian life, the Christian faith. And we can see him say, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans 8, 35. He declares that. That declaration is because he has known who God is, has related to him, he has had that fellowship with him to the extent that he is convinced beyond any reasonable doubt. No matter what you do, no matter the storms of life, there is nothing that will separate him from the love of, God, of Christ. Praise the Lord. And this is the kind of steadfastness in our faith that we need to exercise. Paul had known how to trust God to live in victory. He had known what it meant to live by faith. To the Galatians, Galatians 3, 1, God, uh, Paul was so surprised because he had taught them and he saw these people veering off from the path of righteousness, from the path of relating with God, from the path of walking closely with God. So he was so shocked. He said, you foolish Galatians, you can see, using such strong words, it means he is so, so, so fed up with what they are doing. He was so uncomfortable with the path they were taking, challenging them. Galatians, you started in the flesh, I mean, you started in the flesh, you went to, uh, uh, sorry, you started in, in, in faith, now you have gone to the flesh. What is happening with you? You have experienced what God can do in your life. You have known who God is. What is turning you around again to go and seek for help from these other things that do not, do not honor God? That is one thing that troubled Paul at that point. So he had known what it means to work with God. And he was disturbed that the Galatians were doing that. I hope there's no Galatian in our midst this morning. That God will look down here and say, Oh foolish Kenneth. Oh foolish member of the bread of life. I pray that God will not look down and see, This child, I have taught him. I have made him to experience my power. What is turning him round again to the earthly things? Let us focus our minds to God and attach ourselves even more firmly to God, that He may manifest His power in our lives evermore. Praise the Lord. Steadfast in waiting upon God. I've got two characters that I will mention. Hannah, Hannah, 1 Samuel, chapter 1, verse 3. Every year, Elkanah went to Shiloh to sacrifice. He did not leave the wife behind, the wives. He went with them. Praise the Lord. 
Anna learned one secret from the husband. Anna learned one secret from the husband. That this man has committed his life to God. This man does not want to move away from God. So she learned also to walk close with God. That's why she was in prayer. Now there are two wives, Penina and Anna. After the first chapter, do we hear of Penina? Huh? If you go down there, Penina fades off as Anna's position is elevated. So I want to tell you this. This woman was not waiting on God in vain. It was because she was close to God. and God honored her closeness to, her, to him. Praise the Lord. He knew that she was steadfast in waiting upon God. She did not waver. The other, the other example is about Zacharias in Luke 1, 5 to 23. This is also another man who was so close to God. He never wavered in his service to God. He was always in the church. And when it came to his turn to sacrifice, we see how God visited upon him. And John the Baptist came. God will cause a memorial to be in your life because of your steadfastness. Hannah had a son, we still talk of that son now. Zacharias had a son, we still talk of that son today. Praise the Lord. Because they learned to be steadfast in their faith and to hold firmly to the things that God wanted them to do. Will you challenge yourself this morning that God, no matter what comes, I want to hold firmly to you. That Lord, when the winds blow, when the storms of life come, I will be holding on to you like the branch in the vine. Praise the Lord. Finally, steadfastness in trials. Steadfastness in trials. We must remain steadfast in our faith during trials. Job is a classic example. Job is a classic example. And we can see, if we turn to the book of Job, There's something that all of you experience, but maybe you have never known that you are just going through this, the same experience Job went through. Now, if we look at chapter 1, let us start from verse 13. One day, when Job's son, sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger, talk of, say a messenger. Oh, people are sleeping at the back. A messenger. The Bible says a messenger came. Did he have good news? This messenger. Came to Job. What did he say? The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and Sabatian, Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I, I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Verse, verse 16, again, another messenger is there. And then verse 17, again, another messenger. Okay? And all these messengers, all the information they were bringing was negative, discouraging information. Does that remind you of who, what you have been experiencing in your life? The moment your son falls sick, that's the moment you also hear a phone call from home that your mother is also sick. And before you rest, you hear also 
something else has happened elsewhere that is directly linked to you. Those are the messengers of the enemy. They want to confuse you. They thought they would focus the mind of Job on the problem. But the servant of God had known a relationship with God that was far beyond problems. He refused to focus on the problems. At the end of the day, he said, all these things count nothing for me. I came naked on earth, naked shall I go back. Praise the Lord. And even when the wife later in the second phase tried to come and say something, he said, no, 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 my wife, I love you, but hold your peace. On this one, there's no compromise. God first, you are next, but God first. Praise the Lord. He had known how to relate with God closely, and he had refused to say problems are going to derail him. This morning, it's my desire to know that Christians will begin to look at God in a different light. That this God is not just enjoying to see us experience challenges. He's not just enjoying to see us face difficulties in our Christian life. He is there to see us go through them. That's why he says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You cannot conquer what you have not encountered. Praise God. And let's stand as we bring this service to a close. But from what God has ministered unto us today through his servant, let us just take a minute to ask ourselves this question. Are you a branch of a wine tree or are you a branch in a jacaranda tree? Think of yourself, not about your neighbor. Ask yourself this question. Are you truly in Christ all the time? Or are you somewhere around Christ? It doesn't help to be around Christ. You need to be in Christ. Ask yourself, are you steadfast in your walk with the Lord? Steadfast indicates consistency. Or are you one who walks with the Lord when the times are good and walks with the world when you feel that's better? Are you steadfast in your walk with the Lord? Are you steadfast in exercising your faith? When things don't look very good, where do you turn to? Who do you turn to? Are you steadfast in your relationship with God? During times of trial, are you steadfast? Because that's what God is telling us today. He says, remain in me and I in you. Remain in me. That's what God says. And then he says, draw off me. Everything that we need for our day-to-day -day living, everything that we need to face the trials of the day, we get it from God. 
we can get the energy, we can get the resources, we can get the means, we can get the wisdom, we can get the words that we need to speak. But are we in Christ? And that is what God is telling us today. Remain in me. Be rooted in Christ. And then we bear fruit for Christ. Let's talk to God. Just think of yourself. Place yourself where you are in Christ. And if you need to move from being a jacaranda tree branch to a wine tree branch, tell God. You don't want to be broken off with every little wind that comes your way. Father God, we just want to say thank you, Lord. Father, once again, as you have reminded us that we need to be rooted in you. Our life is in you. Because without you, we are as dead branches. Branches that are fit to be just thrown into the fire and burnt. But Father God, we want to be live branches bearing fruit for you. Bearing good fruit for you, Lord. And for that, we want to draw off you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us to be steadfast in so many areas of our life, Lord. And Father God, we ask, Lord, that even as we remain in you, we will draw our strength from you, Lord. For everything that we need for the day, our strength will be from you, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for ministering unto us this day. We thank you, Lord, for your servant whom you used this day, Lord, Father. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will continue to pour out your anointing upon him, Lord Father. That he shall bring us words of wisdom that will build up our lives, Lord Father. Words that you put into his heart, Lord Father. Father, we ask that you bless him and his family, Lord Father. And may they continue to be a blessing to so many others, Lord. Thank you, Father, for every one of us who's gathered here, Lord. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that even as we depart from this place, your words shall ring in our hearts and our minds. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we close, we have one other prayer point, and that is, uh, let's pray for, the, uh, for Sister Somi George, uh, who lost her father last week. They've just gone and returned, so let's pray for Sister Somi George and the family. Uh, pray that God's peace will be with them. God's comfort will be with them, and God will talk to them at this time. Church, let's all pray together for Sister Somi George and the family. Father, we just continue, Lord, to commit Sister Somi George into your hands, Lord Father, that even as she's gone through this situation of losing her dad, Lord, yet, Father, you are there with her, Lord Father. It is you who's there to comfort her and give her the peace that she needs, Lord. We ask that you continue to minister unto her and the family, to all the near and dear loved ones, Lord Father, that they will draw their peace, that they will draw their comfort from you, Lord Father. That even as they remain in you, Lord Father, it is you who will minister unto them, Lord. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We will be exiting this side. There are, there's a little more than snacks today. So please make sure you get this side. Okay, so we're going to pray for what we're going to have out there now. Church, let's pray. 
Father God, we thank you for that which you have provided for us, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord, that even as we take off it, Lord Father, it shall be good for our physical bodies. We pray, Lord, that you will bless those who have provided, Lord Father, and you will make it good and useful that we can continue to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, ship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.